I'm Charlie Dice, and you're listening to the Life Beyond Infertility Podcast, a podcast devoted to providing information and sharing stories surrounding how to accept your infertility and learning to live a happy, fulfilled life beyond it. As a life after infertility coach and someone who's personally been through the ups and downs of trying to conceive and passionate about helping women feel confident and empowered to take their lives back and find the joy in them again. I believe this area is a crucial missing link in the infertility space, and by talking about it and sharing our stories, we help break the stigma. So let's dive in. So welcome back to another episode of the Life Beyond Infertility podcast. I am super excited today because I am returning the favor for this guest. Her name is Jolene Combs, and she runs the Motherhood Off the Rails podcast. And we'll put all of her social media contacts in the notes afterwards. But yeah, I'm really excited. She's doing amazing things. She's sharing women's stories from all different unique situations within the infertility pregnancy loss space really love what you're doing and I'm really excited to have you here today. So welcome. Thank you so much. I'm still adjusting to the fact that I'm running a podcast. Like (laughs) those words out of your mouth are like, wait, yes. Okay. That's true. I always kind of start out with what prompted you to start the podcast and kind of your story. Yeah. Thank you. um, First of all, for swapping podcasts. I mentioned to you last week that I've I've been on two other podcasts before, but it was for unrelated stuff to the um, to my story now. So this is my first podcast related to my podcast. So, so my story has m- many different beginnings, I would say. But in relation to my podcast, it started when I dreamed of being a mother. It's always been a second nature for me. It's always been something I dreamed of. And I had my son in 2021. It was a perfect, flawless textbook pregnancy and birth. He He's a toddler, so there's that warning. <laughs> but overall, like, he has slept good. He's a very healthy, active kid. Really can't complain. Up until he was a year and a half, my husband and I were perfectly content with just one kid. Um, We knew we didn't want too many, but we knew we wanted more than one. And so we started thinking about it and having the conversation around 18 to 24 months. My son was that old. When he was 18 months old is when we actually um, started trying. Um, And that was in like November, December. And we actually found out in the beginning of January that we were pregnant. And it happened way faster than we were expecting. And we were super excited. And then I found out a week after I took a pregnancy test that I had a miscarriage. I was at six weeks, even though... I had never personally experienced anything like that. I immediately knew what was happening. It rocked my world completely and utterly. I had two best friends who had had um, miscarriages before me, um, and I knew multiple women who had walked through infertility. And so I knew I wasn't alone, but it was extremely isolating. Because my husband was there, and obviously he is my rock, and I don't know what I would do without him. But because I was experiencing physical on top of mental and emotional pain, I felt very, very alone. And so through my healing, um, I actually remember it was 
almost a little over a month after we had our miscarriage. And I will back up and say I was fortunate to not have to go to the ER. I know that so many, like the stories that I've heard and helped tell, had to go to the ER because it was so bad. And they had to get a DNC and everything in between. And so I thankfully didn't have to go. But then, you know, the month later, you know, a few weeks later, you take that pregnancy test again to make sure your HCG levels are back down. And I remember never wanting a negative pregnancy test more than I did then, because all I wanted in the midst of that miscarriage was to try again and to have that excitement in that baby again. Previously, before I had ever experienced a miscarriage, I was like, oh, it's just going to ruin me too much. I'm never going to be able to recover from that. And yet in the midst of knowing I was losing this precious little life, I knew I had to try again. And so that month later, all I wanted was my body just to get back to normal. Because in a miscarriage, you learn the terrible reality that you can't always trust your body. You can't always depend on it to do what you were taught it would do in sex ed. It doesn't always work that way. All I wanted was my cycle to go back to normal. And I think it was that same day I got a negative pregnancy test, if not like a few weeks before or after. I wrote in my journal. That's been a huge part of my healing process. And I made a list of about 20 women who I knew personally, either like close friends, through Instagram, through different acquaintances that have experienced anything from miscarriage to being told at 30 they were going through premenopause to losing twins. I mean, everything in between. And I was struck with the reality that this is already a community, but it's a silent one that is not, that they don't know that they're connected. And so my dream started then for this podcast when I realized that every single one of those 20 women, they knew at least one other woman woman, (laughs) that had gone through some type of loss. And so it started from there. It didn't immediately take off. That was like February, March. I joined a small Bible study group. Um, There was just six of us. And five out of the six, our very first meeting, we learned that all of us had gone through some type of infertility. And that was just like the big neon sign in the sky saying, okay, you need to keep you need to keep this on the front burner. Don't put it on the back. This is something that you need to do. Faith is a huge part of my story. And I was, for lack of a better term, slapped in the face again and again with this reality that God gave you this gift of talking with people and sharing and enjoying hearing stories and you need to use it because there's a community out there begging for their story to be told and to find healing through telling those stories. March, April goes by, busy with a toddler, um, but little things here and there again and again kept coming up that reminded me I needed to do this. And so in let's see probably end of may june i sat down with two of my best friends who i had already told about the podcast and they were 100 percent on board and so excited with me for me and with me um and we did some brainstorming we came up with the questions that we put in the outline um my best friend who's 
going to be on in a few weeks. She came up with the name Motherhood Off the Rails, which was really the only one. I know. I just, every time someone says it, I'm like, well, can't take credit. (laughs) Because that was the only name we came up with. There wasn't anything else because we were like, that just makes so much sense. And so we had that meeting. And then I asked my husband for our anniversary, which is at the end of June, to get me a microphone for our anniversary. Nice. And when he got it, he's like, this is selfish because maybe someday I want to start one too. So it's our family microphone. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Amazing. I know. So he he's still waiting on me to teach him how to use GarageBand and everything. So I'll get around to it eventually. <laughs> so that was the end of June. And in the beginning of July, I recorded my story. And I've been recording a story just about once a week since the beginning of July. And we launched, launched um, September 9th, excuse me, not September 9th, September 6th, which would have been the week I would have done. De- I should have delivered. September 9th should have been my due date. There are obvious reasons why I chose the beginning of September to launch this podcast, but the biggest one is because if I had not had experienced the miscarriage, the greatest loss I have ever experienced in my life, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. We wouldn't be connected in this way, and I wouldn't have the amazing community that is literally pouring in. I wouldn't have the um, connections I have with these women now. And so a theme that keeps coming up in the podcast again and again is that what you experienced was not good in any sense of the word. But what came out of it and the way that your story is shaping who you are now is good, is beautiful, and is reciprocating more than you could have ever imagined. I just love your story and I love how organically your podcast came about. And yeah, you're you're doing amazing and it's so good to hear. Because like you said, it's such a large community and it is a silent one, even still. I mean, there's a lot of us out there now that are speaking out about it, which is fantastic. But I guess the question I, I ask my guests too is, you know, why do you think it's still so stigmatized that we don't, you know, we don't want to talk about it. Even when we have, you know, I had a friend that I knew also had a miscarriage and I desperately wanted to reach out to her, but I was even too afraid, you know, to do that. And I just think we're all doing ourselves a disservice. But, you know, why do you think as a community, we still don't allow it to be out in the open like it should? That's perfect because literally before I got on here, I was editing, um, an episode that I recorded yesterday. Yeah, today's Monday. And one of the reasons I asked her, the woman, she she's older, um, so probably a generation before us. And I would say our parents' generation never talked about this stuff. I'm sure you've seen this again and again and again. And I asked her, I said, why do you think your generation deems this such a taboo topic. And we talked back and forth, but one of the things that stuck out to me that just broke my heart when we were also talking about like the relationships, one of the questions I always ask is, how did your loss affect your relationships? And she said, thankfully, most of them were strengthened. But she'd said that, and it breaks my heart to even say it out loud, that 
someone told her she needed to stop sharing because she was just trying to get attention. And maybe other women in this community have been told or have felt the same thing. And they've just clammed up and they have experienced hurt in sharing. And so the only rationale is I'm already hurting. Why would I share to hurt even more? So maybe that's part of it. I will say that there is so much hope and light in our generation because so many of us are turning that tide and saying, I'm putting an end to this stigma and the silencing. My loss is real. Even like my loss at six weeks to those, like the story I recorded yesterday, she lost um, twin girls at 23 weeks. The vast difference between our stories is is lessened when you come together in a community and you share your stories. So maybe that's why I don't have a concrete answer of why there's why it's still silence and it's still so taboo. But I think that it is changing. And I hope that the next generation will be even less silenced in all of this. It's really insightful. And, um, you know, I... I had three miscarriages and I lost them all around 10 and a half weeks. And I did have to have emergency room visits and DNCs. And I think, at least for me and in, in talking to my, my guests, a lot of it, and I know for myself personally, a lot of it was fear of failure. You know, we had already, in my own mind, I had already thought of myself as a failure because like you said before, you know, my body wasn't doing what it was biologically created to do. And I didn't want people to know that I had failed, you know, because essentially we live in a country where if you want to do something, you know, if you put your mind to it and you do what needs done, you know, you can accomplish it. But this was just something that I had no control of. Mm -hmm. I couldn't accomplish it no matter how hard I tried. So I think a lot of it is still fear of failure as well. Do you agree in your situation too? Like, Oh, yes, 100%. And another thing that goes hand in hand with failure is guilt and fear that you did something wrong in your past. I grew up in a culture that was very conservative. And I was told once that if you slept around too much before you got married, then you were not going to be able to get pregnant and that it, it you weren't going to be able to make the family you wanted. And I dismissed it at the time. But I tell you what, when I was going through my miscarriage, every single wrong thing that I did in my life before came rushing back. And as hard as I tried to deny it, there were so many times where I was like, maybe if I hadn't like tripped up here and there maybe my body would have done something wrong. Like even saying it out loud sounds completely illogical. But when you are seeped in that culture, that when you do something wrong, it's going to affect your future and you're ruined for life. Like that really, really gets to you and works into the tiny crevices of your mind and doesn't resurface until you least expect it in a terrible moment of grief, like a miscarriage. 
It's actually really poignant that you mentioned that because I just, um, you know, in my coaching program, I have a client right now who, and I'm finding this a lot, you know, these women who are struggling so much with accepting the losses that they have had and, you know, the situations that they find themselves in, it really goes back to childhood and how they were treated and what they were told is, you know, permeating throughout their lives to how they're reacting to the losses that they've had and how easy or hard I don't want to I don't want to make anybody's situation seem like it's easy but how much they struggle to find some peace and happiness in their grief if that makes sense so that's it's been really insightful and interesting for me um even within my own program is how much you know what we're told how people act Essentially, it comes down to, you know, in her situation, she just didn't trust herself to make decisions for herself because of how she was brought up. And so she didn't trust herself to make the decision to move forward from her grief. And so she was just stuck in it. And I just, I I don't think I ever really thought of it that way before. Like what you said, is that something that you felt like when those thoughts came into your head when you had your miscarriage because of your upbringing? Were there things that you said to yourself then that kind of got you out of that mindset? Um, First of all, I started going to therapy, which it turns out I some other things came up between the miscarriage and when I started going to therapy that had nothing to do with the miscarriage and were the main reasons I started going to therapy. But as anybody knows that has been to therapy, they just get it out of you. And my therapist is amazing. And she started breaking things down and made all of these connections, like you said, that the way we were raised and the lies or the truths that we believed as children, whether we want it to or not, affect our adult life. And so I'm trying to think. I don't remember like exactly some of those things that got me out of that mindset. But just in general, the journaling I went through, therapy, I work, I do yoga every day. And so that sense of meditation and focusing on your breathing, those were more like physical things I did to get my mind out of that negative place. With the name of my podcasts and my, you know, program being Life Beyond Infertility, when you we're moving forward past your miscarriage. Um, you know, you just mentioned all those coping mechanisms. What did you find was the biggest struggle, even with those coping strategies in place? What was your biggest struggle in actually wanting to move beyond your grief? Ooh, that's a tough one. It, it was obviously nothing that I had experienced before. So I was kind of just figuring it out as I went. I have lost two grandparents and I had had other loss in life, but this was a completely different type of loss. And I was learning how to grieve. Through therapy and journaling, I realized I had never been taught or I never truly understood what it was to grieve and to give yourself permission to grieve. And so even with those coping mechanisms, I was figuring out like, how do I let myself grieve when I'm chasing a toddler? How do I let myself grieve when I still want to help my husband, you know, 
you know, we share duties around the house and everything. How do I grieve and yet still live a practical life? I know I've got to get out of bed today because I need to help take care of my family because it's something I love to do. But oh, it, it was it was there were so many days, especially when the triggers would come out of nowhere and I would see those pregnant moms with the toddlers and I would have to step away and I would have to put my son down for a nap and just just cry and just give myself that time. And so I think it was just like practically my mind doesn't rest very well. And so whether it was healthy or not, I just kind of had to pick myself up and keep going and say you're going to have to grieve between the hours of one to three when your toddler naps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. And I think obviously everyone grieves differently, but, you know, you kind of hit it on the thing where infertility grief is very different than any other type of grief. It, it, and it's something that I teach, you know, in the program. It's like, you know, death is a very concrete, tangible thing. You know, we can see somebody you know, they had life one day and they don't the next, you know, it's very black and white. There's a before and an after, but, you know, infertility grief is, is very much on deathless grief. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we can't see it, but sometimes people have no idea that we're dealing with it a lot of times. And you're right. Like we, nobody ever taught us how to deal with that kind of grief. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important for women to know that however they need to cope, whatever that looks like for them is right for them. Like there's no wrong way to go about it. You know, you said like you had to grieve between the hours of one and three. You know, I had to, um, you know, grieve when I got home from work because I couldn't let my, I had two pregnant coworkers at the time too. Mm -hmm. You know, I couldn't let them see me in my office, you know, crying because I, you know, that was triggering for me. So mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's just, it's really important that you brought that up because, you know, women need to know that it is different than any other type of grief. And there are certain things that will help to through that that are different than when someone, you know, passes away. I think another point with that and something that I struggled with is I at first, like with a funeral, everybody comes and they grieve with you. But I discovered weeks and months after my miscarriage, I wanted to tell certain people, but how do you bring that up in a conversation? Oh, by the way, I experienced the greatest loss I've ever had in my life. And I am a very naturally bubbly, outgoing person, and it's one of my coping mechanisms. Thank you, therapy. But I never knew how to get it into a conversation to even begin talking about it. And so yet another reason why I started this podcast, because it forces the conversation and sometimes that's what women need to help share their story. Yeah. And I think a lot of times too, I know in our situation, you know, we didn't want to tell anyone because for a long time because we didn't want other people's pity. And I think mm -hmm. I mentioned that to you on when we talked last week. You know, we pitied ourselves enough for the world essentially of what we were going through. So we didn't want those outside opinions and looks of sorrow and, you know, oh, I'm so sorry, I understand what you're going through, you know, because unless you've been through it, you know, that's a nice sen sentiment, but you really don't. And I know everyone is well-intentioned, but there are better ways to support people going through these types of things than 
to offer pity and to say that you understand. How did it affect your miscarriage? How did it affect your relationships with, I know you said your husband was your rock. So outside of your marriage with your family, I see a lot of people struggle with that. You know, how did it affect your relationship with family? It was kind of indifferent. I would say that's the first word that comes to my mind. As far as I know, besides an aunt on my dad's side, I was the only one that had ever experienced a miscarriage. And I know that's not right because the statistics say one in four. I knew that my mom had not had a miscarriage. She cared for me as best as she could. And she did an amazing job. I shared in my story that I texted her and asked her to come down and watch my son because something was wrong and I needed to go to the doctor. I didn't give any other specifics. And I could go back to exactly where we were in my kitchen. She had not even been there two minutes. And I said, I had a miscarriage. And she was like, I I knew. She had, you know, she just had this motherly intuition. And so she grieved with me. And after she heard my story a few weeks ago, she called me and she she always lets me know what she thinks about the each episode. It's adorable. But she said something that just struck me because my sister-in-law had also had a miscarriage. And so she reminded me that she lost two grandbabies. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why when she said that it was the first time that had ever become a realization for me. But I immediately texted my sister-in-law and I was like, I didn't even know mom was thinking this or in this mindset because in my family, we don't talk about hard stuff like that. It's just the way we boys coped with things. Nothing wrong with it. That's just the way that my family does it. It has been slowly strengthening my relationship with my mom. And I know she is trying to understand because she got pregnant the first time with all three of her children. Um, She had some complications along the way with each one of us, but that she didn't lose any children. And so I know she's trying to understand and be sympathetic in the best way she can. And she's doing an amazing job. My sister-in-law, who had a miscarriage while I was pregnant, we have become closer than ever before. Um, Her story comes out in a few weeks. The relationship with my son has changed too, because... In the darkest days of my grief, I'm able to look to him and say, I have been given the gift of an amazing child, and I can't take that for granted. And it has given me hope to keep trying because we're still trying and my cycle's completely wacko and I don't know what's happening. And I can't imagine what it would be like because I've helped tell stories of women who are still going through infertility and have never had a child. And yet they still want that so bad. And I can't put myself, I can't even begin to put myself in their shoes because I do have that relationship with my son that is a roller coaster because he's a toddler. I love him dearly, but he has his strong opinions, as do I. He gets it from me. (laughs) Right. But I have come to love him and appreciate him in a deeper way and like take note of the smallest little things he does because I'm just so thankful that we have him in the midst of our grief. I wouldn't say that any of the relationships in my family or even friends was like affected negatively. 
if anything, they have been strengthened. I love that. I, I, that's really great to hear because I think that that's the minority. And I know sort of have a similar story and that everyone has been supportive. So I am very grateful for that. And I can't relate to those that, you know, have not had that support. So I know I'm very fortunate in that respect as well. And the last thing I, I'd like to ask you is if you had known before what you know now, what's one piece of advice that you would give yourself? I love that we ask the same question on our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's challenging because I ask this question every single week, and yet I don't think I've taken the time to think what I would tell myself before all of this happened. But the first thing that just popped into my mind is that you're going to be okay. That's something that my husband and I tell each other all the time. It's going to be okay. Because we see what we've been through even before we had our son. Just like the ups and downs you go through in a dating relationship, in marriage, and with families and everything. The road in relationships is never smoothly paved. And so we are able to look back to all we've experienced with each other and say, it's going to be okay. And so that's what I would tell myself. The young girl who's dreaming of becoming a mom, like you don't know what's coming ahead. You don't want to know what's coming up. But when you are in the midst of it and you cannot see the light at the end of the tunnel, it's going to be okay. Yeah, I think that's all that we can tell ourselves really because we're all dealt different cards and yeah, no matter what our hand is, you know, it is going to be okay. And there are people out there that will support you, whether they've gone through what you've gone through or not. So just find your people and I guarantee that they're out there for you. So thank you for sharing that. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for um, allowing me to share my story. I get to share little snippets of it while I'm helping other women share their story. But it's amazing how my story has changed even since recording back in July. I, I kind of cringed like when I listened to myself for the first episode because it was like, oh, I wanted to change so much. But you got to show where you came from. So thank you for letting me retell my story because every time I tell it, there's something new I gain and there's a strength for the rest of my story that I get to carry on. Absolutely. Thank you. I'm very grateful to have this platform. I'm very blessed to be able to meet so many amazing women, um, you know, that are part of this community. And I really just appreciate you taking the time to, you know, come on today. Before we hop off, where can people find you? What's the best way to connect with you if they'd like to share their story with you and, and be a guest? Yes, we can never have too many stories. I have had women like send me messages like, um, if you ever run out of stories, I was like, nope, I'm never going to run out of stories. And yeah. I, I want to be inundated with them. Like, I want, I just scheduled a story today and I had to tell them, I'm like, I'm sorry, I've got to put you like in number. And it's just the best problem to have. So please flood my inbox at motherhood off the rails on Instagram because your story is going to inspire somebody else. And it's just going to be this gorgeous ripple effect that I'm 
already seeing. Um, We are on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. We have a new episode every Wednesday. Season one will go through about the middle of November, and then we'll pick up after the holidays. Um, And even saying that, like, that I have, like, multiple a multiple season podcast like Jolene back in February never dreamed this was possible. So, yes. So you can find us on those platforms. I am on Instagram and checking it entirely too often. I will be completely honest. Um, So I'm trying to balance that with a toddler. But yes, please send me a message there. That's the easiest way to get a hold of me. And if you just go to our Instagram, there are direct links to where you can find us on all the streaming platforms. You can send us an email, if that's more your style, at motherhoodofftherails at gmail.com. So many ways, please don't hesitate. Even if you're like, I don't know how to share my story. I'm a little unsure. I will walk you through it. We can have a completely separate conversation just to talk about what it would look like before we even press record. So please send your stories my way. Let's chat and let's heal through sharing our stories together. I love that. Thank you again so much. Like I said in the beginning, we'll put all of Jolene's information in the show notes so that you have direct links there. And yeah, please go share your story with her. It's been amazing working with you and and connecting with you. And I'm just so excited that you know, we found each other through the, the situation we're in. So. I know. Social media has a lot of things wrong about it, but this is definitely not one of them. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jolene. I really appreciate it. And we'll talk soon. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me on and for expanding our community. Um, I'm so glad that we are so f- like, like-minded in this and that we're taking our grief and channeling it into a way that is going to help so many people. So thank you to you as well. If you liked this episode, be sure to download, subscribe, and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. It really helps the show and lets me know the exact information my listeners want to talk about. For more information on accepting infertility and finding happiness beyond it, follow me on Instagram at life beyond infertility or find me online at charliedice.com that's charlie spelled c-h-a-r-l-i-e dice spelled d-i-c-e dot com and don't forget you are woman enough and your story is worth sharing